take a moment and pray. Lord, we're so grateful that we can meet you in any moment, in any place. Lord, that you are present and that you are with us. So help us meet you. Help us show up, Lord. Thank you that you meet us in a time of praise and adoration. Thank you that you meet us in your word that does not come back void, but is truth for our soul. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to your table and you're made known to us in the breaking of the bread. Lord, as you're meeting with us now, no matter where we are, transform us, change us. So as a result of this meeting in this moment, we can be made different because we're in your presence. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we are celebrating the Feast of Christ the King. And in 1925, uh, Pope Pius XI instituted the feast day in response to combat, combat the growing isms of the time. Now, some of us have our own isms to combat, don't we? Well, these were bigger isms, not just our isms. And, and, and he brought forth in 1925 to bring together this feast of Christ the King to combat the isms of the culture, to deal with those things that were going on in the culture. And at the time that was growing all around nation by nation within the world was secularism, which was atheism, which was nationalism and communism. These were things that were threats and things that were happening. And the purpose of this feast day today is to remind us who is the king. It's to proclaim Christ is the king and that he rules and reigns, not just here in this church, not just in our home, that he rules and reigns over the universe, that he rules and reigns over an individual's life, over families' lives, over society, over the government, and over the nations. That he rules and reigns. And we, we need to be reminded of that. And that's why we celebrate this feast. The feast day, for us, is the end of the church calendar year. And what happens is the culmination of 52 weeks of us coming together... Of, of hearing sermons that are preached through the lectionary as it unfolds to us over that time. And what it's supposed to do in that process is bring us to that conclusion that Christ is King. That that's the conclusion we're to come to throughout the course of the year. And Advent will be the next Sunday as we begin and, and we start uh, Advent for those four weeks leading up to uh, Christmas and the celebration of the coming of the King. And, and that we're prepared for that time, but, but we're brought to that conclusion and that understanding, and, and we have to be reminded of why that is so essential and important. See, the Feast of Christ the King is as relevant today as it was 95 years ago. That, that we have to be reminded who sits on the throne. See, just because the culture wants to take Christ out of it doesn't make Jesus any less king. He still sits on a throne and rules and reigns with all authority. Matter of fact, good luck trying to dethrone Jesus. It's not going to happen. The problem is we start looking at the culture and think the culture is winning and the culture is not winning. That he's adding to his kingdom day after day after day. And we have to be reminded of who is king. And Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. That's what he did. He came preaching the kingdom of God. But when he preached the kingdom of God, it was not with condemnation. It was with love. 
He came and he preached a gospel, a kingdom message of love. A love that has a power of salvation. A love that has a power of healing. A love that has a power of deliverance. See, the throne of Christ the King was a cross of mercy and his power was over death for eternal life. That was his throne. That was his power. So we have to ask the question, so what makes Jesus the king? What makes his king? What makes him that king? Very simple. He's a son of God, and he was given supremacy over all. And he gave himself up to go on a cross, and he took our sins upon him, and then he showed his power over death at the resurrection. And he's given this supremacy. And the invasion of Christ the king was one of love. That was his invasion. It was one of mercy. It was of forgiveness. And it was of reconciliation. That's what his invasion was. That's what he did as coming as a king. In today's gospel, Jesus clearly lays out for us that there's a king, there's a kingdom, there's a final judgment, and there's a reward. That, that this is what's going to happen. This is what he's foretelling is to come, the fulfillment uh, that we should understand. And the gospel reading today is about the return and the reign of Christ. That's what it's about. And Jesus says that, that the Son of Man will come. And he will come with his holy angels and sit on a throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him. All the nations. That this is what will take place. This is what will happen. And he's given all that authority. And this is what is to come. And, and that there's a reality that he will separate the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. That there's going to be this, this separation that will take place upon his return. That, that as he comes, there are going to be those who heard that message and there are going to be those who rejected that message. And there will be a clear separation. And it says in Matthew 25, 34, it says, And the king will say to those on his right hand, Come. And blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Blessed are you. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Now this separation is clear. And the difference is goats don't have a shepherd, sheep do. That's the difference. Although they may graze together and, 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 and gather together, it's the sheep who hear the shepherd's voice. See, at that time, last time I checked, none of you have sheep in your backyard, right? So you haven't done this gathering and shepherding. And the sheep would, would gather with the goats at the same time, and that's what they would do. But, but it was the sheep who respond to the shepherd's voice, not the goats. They're the ones who respond. They're the ones who hear it. The sheep heard the shepherd's voice. And what Jesus is saying, they heard the shepherd's voice when he gave the summary of the law. When he said in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, that summary of the law that we have every time we come to gather together and worship the Lord. That when we, we're reminded to love God with all what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love what? Our neighbor as ourselves. That summary that all the laws was summed up. Well, the sheep heard that call. And the sheep responded. Those are the ones who responded to that call. They responded to love God and love people. And the evidence that they responded to the king's message is in the verses we read today. That's the evidence that they responded to the greatest commandment. And what was it? The evidence is in verse uh, 
35 through 36, where he responds to them. And he says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger in what church? You took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. See, this affirms those who heard the shepherd's uh, voice. This affirms that they heard his voice and that Jesus was the one who came to serve, not be served. And that there was this call. And what Jesus is saying is that I met you there. I met you in that moment. Upon his return, when do we meet you? I met you in that moment. And in verse 37 it says, Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, or in prison? When did that happen? I don't understand. When was that moment that that took place? See, the righteous are clueless that that took place. They didn't understand. When did we see you, Lord? And the truth is that kingdom people don't expect a reward when they offer love and kindness to others. There's not this expectation that it's going to be a reward. And salvation didn't depend on their good works. It was just love of God and the love of people that was their reward. That, that was what was manifesting. That's what they saw. That was that evidence. And the love and kindness to the needy was not something to gain a reward for salvation. But it was, it was a response to the greatest commandment. It was a response for our call to love God and love people. It's how the church should be responding to that call. And showing love and kindness to people was just part of the way they lived in response to what Christ has done for them. That's what happens as part of that response in our own life. Because of what Christ has done in my life, how do I respond to that in other people's lives? What Jesus is saying is that everything you know about your faith is summed up and comes together in this point. And if you're struggling with loving God and loving people, you're missing the gospel. And I've said this before, you can't love God and hate people because they're his creation. And as a people of God, we've got to learn how to love people. And we'll learn a lot about love by loving people. And Jesus is saying, you're going to find me in a moment or at a time such as this. This is where it begins to unfold. See, if Christ is king, his kingdom is established on earth as it is in heaven. That's done. And the church has a response to that greatest commandment. The church is an extension of Jesus. Did you know you're the church? And did you know you're an extension of Jesus to others? That that was his plan. Crazy plan. I'm going to take people and they're going to be an extension of me and go to other people. His plan was as his love invaded our life, our love would invade others' lives. That reflection of his love and what he did. And that the church's response to who he is is to be the extension of what he's called us to do. The extension of fulfilling that greatest commandment. Here's the extension. When you go, be that extension of what Jesus did. Meet the hungry. Meet the thirsty. Meet the stranger. Meet the naked. Meet the sick. Meet those who are in prison. That's the extension of loving people. See, if Jesus is our king, the question becomes, what do we do about it? There's a response. If he is Lord of my life, I have to respond to that. 
And Jesus is saying, this is what it looks like. This is what that response looks like. When I was new in the Lord, in my beginnings of, of that new relationship and discovering what that is, because I worked really hard not to know him. I did. I worked really hard at that. Jesus, you stay out of my life. I'll stay out of your life. We got a deal, right? He's like, I don't think so. And then he just kind of kept his love on me. And, and, and there has to be a response. So in my early walk with him growing and being nurtured in the Lord, trying to discover and read the scriptures and understand what does my life look like as a reflection of who he is, I began to want to live my life for him and not for myself anymore. And I had to figure out how to love people. Because sometimes I didn't really like people. Sometimes people are really hard to get along with. Sometimes people are really, really hard to love. You know what he says? Tough. Figure it out. Matter of fact, what he says, I'm going to teach you more about love in the midst of that. So I went out and I worked in the city and my commute used to be to Penn Station. I worked on 34th and 7th. Nice, easy commute. You come out of Penn, go in a building. It was perfect. And what I would do is I would pray when I was on the train and you would see, you know, kind of the worst and the best of the city when you work there. And, and you would see those around you who are in need, and you come out of Penn Station, you see those who are homeless and those who are begging. And, and I would begin to ask the Lord, Lord, you know, I can give someone a dollar, but what is that going to do? Feel like a real hero? Oh, here's a buck. Yeah, I'm going to change that guy's life. There's got to be something more. So I would pray, and I was really seeking honesty. God, what do you want me to do? And I'd begin to load intervals of money of different sizes and portions in my pocket and figure out ways, then gather information of ways that I could bring more than just a few dollars, but maybe instruction or help or prayerfully, God, do let me, let me have an encounter that you have something divine. Put the right person in my path in the right moment so I could fulfill your purpose and your plan. That I really believe that God could use me in that moment. So I would do that. I would do that on my lunch break and I would go and I would walk and I would have these encounters and I would have information. I would say, how can I lead this person to maybe to a shelter, to the next thing. And I was armed and ready. And as I had these encounters, one person sought me out and began to ask for help. And it was on 8th Avenue. And the further you go 8th, 9th, 10th, the little darker it gets on uh, Manhattan. It's not Macy's, you know, 34th and 7th. It starts to change. And all of a sudden I'm getting out there and I meet this person who asked for help and I'm you know, met with him, helped, helped him out. We got to talk, and I said, you know, meet me again tomorrow, whatever the day was. And he met me the second time, and um, I got some food, and I got some other things, and then we were going to meet a third time. Um, and uh, I think that time we also were planning on what's the next. I'm like, all right, this is great. I got a plan. I'm helping him. I'm going to get him into a shelter in the city. Like, I'm going to follow this thing through. I'm going to... And in this conversation, we're starting in this, this other meeting time, this second meeting time. We begin, and I just begin to share the Lord. I not... I didn't have this great evangelistic plan. I was just trying to love on someone. And I begin to share the Lord and what the Lord did in my life and how he transformed my life. And as a result of that change, and we began to share, and he began to share scripture with me. And then I quickly realized that he knew the Bible better than I did. He was putting me to shame. And then I realized as I was trying to meet the need of hunger and thirst and nakedness, what happened was I was being filled, not him. See, I was, I was that person. There was a moment in my life where I was naked and poor and, and where, where I, was, I was vulnerable and sick and, and all those needs I had in my own life. That, 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 and someone met me in that point of need in my life. 
And the response is, how do I meet another at that point? And when I encountered that other, what I realized was that, that I was no longer giving the last of my food, I was being fed. I was no longer giving the last of my drink, I no longer thirst as a result of it. Why? Because I was meeting Christ. And, and what happened was, we came back the third time to meet, and I never saw the person again, ever. And I wondered, was that an angel? <laughs> that I learned more almost 30 years ago in that interaction that changed my course and my direction and my relationship with Christ than anything else in my life as a result of what I got out of that moment, what Christ did in my life, as a result of what the gospel tells us to do and where will we meet him. See, his kingdom's established and, and his kingdom establishes on a foundation of love. Love, his love, love is when we feed the hungry. Love is when we give drink to the thirsty. Love is when we welcome the stranger. Love is when we clothe the naked. Love is when we heal the sick. And love is when we visit those who are in prison. That's love. That's the response that we're to have. And this is how we live out a kingdom life. That kingdom life that we live out, what that is is a response to the evils of this world. Because what they're experiencing are hardships that are evils of this world. And Jesus says, I have a remedy for the evils of this world. It's going to be my love. And it's going to be the church showing my love. See, we don't need a program to show the love and kindness of the Lord. We just need to follow the king. Amen. And if we follow the king, these things will happen. That would be the unfolding. And in Matthew 25, verse 40, it says, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it for the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. In his least, you did it to me. See, when Jesus is our king, your love should speak louder than your words. Your love as action. Jesus came, we proclaim Christ the king. And this king came with an invasion. And when kings invade places, usually it's death, destruction. What he did was he invaded the earth with love with salvation, with forgiveness, with reconciliation. And the only death that we saw was death to sin. And that he conquered death once and for all. And we're that extension of that love. And that invasion of love he expects us to live out. And his love is, is visible when we're present in the hungry and thirsty and stranger and naked and sick and those who are in prison. That's something that we can have an impact and change. And the promise is that we'll meet him in the midst of being the church that way. So we have to let God's kingdom rule and reign in our life. And we will find him there in those moments if we're being the church. We'll find him there in the least of these. Because he said, what you do for the least of these, you have done for him. Amen. And that's the call of the church. And that's why Christ is our king. Amen? Amen. Now I want to share with you one thing. We begin Advent next week. And as a church, we can do something different because we're living in an upside down world right now, aren't we? And, uh, but we're still the church. And the way that, that we do ministry might have changed, but the mission is the same. And that mission is to continue to be light in the midst of darkness. In Advent, we have this preparation that's coming. And what we want to do is begin over these four weeks of Advent together as a church called the Impact Challenge. And the Impact Challenge is how we're going to invade those around us with the love and kindness of the Lord. 
That's what we're going to do over these weeks. We're going to have a series together where we're going to come together. And I'm going to ask you to get involved in our social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, follow emails, because as a result of what we're doing together, we're going to come together and share those different things. And we're going to give suggestions during the week of ways that you can invade those around you with God's love. And that's what he's called us to do as a church. And what I'm praying is as we do it, it becomes contagious. That as we do it, others go, why are you doing that? Because... Christ is my king, and I'm called to love people. And this is how I'm loving people. And we're going to begin to do that in the church. And I promise you, I promise you, you will meet Christ in the midst of doing this. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are our king and that you rule and that you reign. And all things are subjected under your feet. So, Lord, we will not fear. We will not be anxious. We will not worry. But we will surrender. Be our king and lead us, we pray. Help us in our struggles and help us to help those who are struggling. Now, the first way to know that Christ is your king is to declare that in your life. And you have to make a decision for that. No one can force it on you. And that's something in the heart that has to change as a result of meeting him. And I don't know a person's heart, but you know where your heart is. And what I can tell you is Jesus wants your heart and he wants all of it. You have to make a decision if you allow him in that place. And if you want him in that place and know him in that way and let him meet you right now if you hunger or thirst or are sick or any of those things, and he will meet you there. And what does he promise? By grace through faith, a, a gift is given to us by God of eternal life if we repent and turn from our ways. Jesus makes an invitation right now. And if you want to know him that way, if you're watching online or you're in person, I want to pray with you. And let the Holy Spirit work in your life to know him that way. So if you'd like to pray with me to know him that way, just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed with me and you're online or you're in person, I want you to do is let us know. Here in person, you can stop by a kiosk, let a host know and say that I, I prayed that prayer. Or if you're online, a button comes up. Why do we want to know? Because we're committed to helping you on your pathway to discipleship. And what we want to do is get you working in God's purpose and plan for your life. Amen? Peace of the Lord be with you. Acknowledge one another with a sign of God's peace.